Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. Uh, my name is Mark. With me as always is my fiance, Carol. How are you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? How much has been a good week here? It is August 15th, 1998. And Carol, did you know that in Hollywood today, even the bad movies make millions? Oh. Apparently. The biggest lesson Hollywood has learned in the last decade came from the movie Field of Dreams. Remember Field of Dreams? Mm-hmm. But it had nothing to do with that film's contemplation of fatherhood, forgiveness, and family values. No, it was the prophecy of build it and they will come that was heeded. They built and audiences came. Even <laughs> though only one summer film, Saving Private Ryan, is likely to earn the magic $200 million that now officially constitutes a blockbuster the season's box office take remains on a record-setting pace. Hmm. Why? Well, simply because there are more box offices. 30 more in Metro Detroit than there were just uh, a year ago. By next year, there may be 100 more. They don't call them theaters anymore. They call them entertainment destinations. No one calls them that. (laughs) Right? What are you talking about? Uh, The people in the business of financing and marketing movies are betting audiences will keep coming no matter what's playing. A visit to the Star Southfield, I've been, on a weekend night makes the point. There is inevitably a crowd of people standing in front of the menu board, choosing on the spot which picture to see. I've done that. Yeah. If all five auditoriums showing Ryan are sold out, how about the Mark of Zorro? No, Mulan left kids. Will Madeline do? Uh, no. Uh, in this atmosphere, even a wretched comedy like Dirty Work, fuck you. That was awful. Has raked in almost $10 million over the course of the summer. That's a huge success. Even an unqualified flop like My Giant has earned almost $8 million. Dirty Work was good. No, it wasn't. The real beneficiaries, though, have been the hype monsters like Godzilla, $135 million, earned $200 million to make and market. Well, then that's then they lost. What are you talking about then? If it was a $200 million to make and they only made $135 million, it's a loss. What are you talking about? Small Soldiers, $146 million, eight and, and $80 million. Uh, The X-Files, $81 million, $90 million. That's not that big of a deal. Six Days, Seven Nights, $70 million, $100 million. All are considered major disappointments. Oh, okay. All are considered major disappointments to the studios that sponsor them, but thanks to multiple screens and expanding markets, all will break even. I mean, I guess... The budget doesn't take into account the marketing, so uh, except for Saving Private Ryan, there's something about Mary, the movie that has put the gross mm-hmm. $60 million and just getting started in gross out. The summer's hottest hits have been hiding in the quiet corners of the multiplexes, the horse whisperer, Deep Impact. Deep Impact was awesome. Hope Floats, A Meh. Perfect Murder, The Spanish Prisoner. And The Opposite of Sex, a movie starring Christina Ricci. I wonder what The Opposite of Sex is. Uh, celibacy. Okay. I guess. I don't know. What, yeah. what did you say? Murder. What the fuck? <laughs> well, I mean, sex the is life-affirming. Yeah, mm. Oh, wow. Okay. Is it? Well, only sex with me is life-affirming. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that uh, there's too much... Too many movie theaters? No, do you? No, I like the movie theaters. 
I love going. Obviously, that's why we do it every week. Entertainment destinations. Please. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to start going even more than once. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I don't know. Like, I... What he's saying, I don't agree with. He's like, oh, they're they're making a bunch of money, but they're losing money. Mm-hmm. Like he he listed off a bunch that lost money. Yeah, it wasn't a good article. Well, how about CD recorders grow cheaper and music industry grows scared? <laughs> the computer industry, which has spawned hardware and software marvels at a lightning pace, is finally moving at the speed of sound. The era of affordable compass. Compact disc recording has arrived. Are you familiar with compact disc recording? Uh, I'm familiar with CDs. Yeah, that's what CD stands for, compact disc. I understand that, but I don't call it a compact disc recording. No, no, no. What? Sweetie. sweetie. What? Being able to to record two CDs. No. To take music and record them to CDs. So that you can make, like, mixtapes and stuff like that. How would you do that? Like, massive mixtapes. On the computer, apparently. Computer drives that can store information on blank CDs have dropped sharply in price over the last year. And although many computer owners are using the devices to back up hard drives, yes, you're there, or create a photo archive, CD drives have a key added benefit they record music that is playable on any CD player. Mm. So they're called CDRs, CD recorders. Um, they can go in CD-ROM devices. That's CD random or read-only memory devices. <laughs> um, but anyway, so people are, the music industry is worried that people are going to save their music and then record them to CDs and not have to buy CDs anymore. But you, you have to get the music first on the computer, so... That is true. I don't know exactly how they do it. We have a way of... Our, our stuff's on our website. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a way that you can create a file with audio on it, because sure. that's what we do, and put it directly on the computer, and then someone can download it. But wouldn't they have to pay for it to get it? In the first well, place? I mean, maybe the music, I guess. Yeah, ours is stuff's free, obviously. Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, I don't see what the big worry is. They're going to have to pay for it somehow. Will people will people put our stuff on CDs? And listen to it, like... Yeah, in the car and stuff like that. Uh, oh, my goodness, like a radio. That'd be cool. Like a radio. Like an old-time radio. We could go on a road trip with people. There you go. Yeah. Bring us along with you. <laughs> and if you do, latefee nineteen ninety four com. There you go. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I like it, I I get it. I guess why the music industry might be a little worried. They want people to have to pay for their music, right? And I mean, they should have to pay. I mean, the artists need to make money. Absolutely, they do. You know what is making money? Hmm. The movie we saw, probably. I hope so. I think it's a good movie. Ever after with. Drusilla Barrymore. He's been keeping me in suspense since we saw the movie as to whether or not he liked it. He won't discuss it with me at all. No, why would I? I want to know. It's not like it's been that long. We just watched it. It's been since last night. It's been 24 hours. It's too long. What did you think of the movie? Nuh-uh, you first. Well, I hated that the movie wasn't longer. I figured you liked it. (laughs) Why? You kept saying, oh, you hated it. 
I thought it was okay. It's not a perfect movie, okay. And I have criticisms in a few different aspects, but it is a charming movie. It is. There is. It has a charm to it, and I think that I don't want to say it's a huge accomplishment, or, or but I mean, I think that it's interesting that they took the story of Cinderella and they created an actual story around it, mm-hmm. like. Not just the surface level character car- caricatures and everything. They they imbued these characters with a depth of spirit, with layers, with actual ambitions, and I thought that was very interesting. They they turned what is a you know a vapid love story a you know, whatever, you're cute, we barely know each other, let's get married, love story, into an actual, they get to know each other, and they change each other's minds about things, Mm -hmm. love story. Yeah, I love, I love them together. Yeah. Doug Ray Scott and Drusilla Barrymore. Stop saying Drusilla, it's just such an ugly name. Drew. Okay, I'll I'll shorten it to Drew. Because every time you say Drusilla, I think about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. About what? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Fuck you. Wow. You make me record at 11 p.m. This is what you get. You make me feel. (sighs) Anyway, so Drew Barrymore is Cinderella. And she's amazing. And her sisters do call her Cinderella. That is one of, sometimes they do. That's one of my criticisms of the movie, though. What? So Drew Barrymore plays a French woman. This takes place in France. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone has French names. Everyone speaks with an English accent. <laughs> you know what it's like any time any, play, any uh, movie takes place in a foreign land, it's always English accents. And Drew Barrymore is a fantastic actress. Very good. She cannot do an accent to save her fucking life. No. She's got that, you know how she has that little thing where she kind of talks in the side of her mouth? Yes. Her mouth curls up a little bit. Yeah. And you can just hear the California accent, you know? Like, I hear it trying to come through (laughs) from the English accent. She'll be like, but why are you here? (laughs) It's... It, it it was slightly. It took me out of the movie slightly in a couple places, but I mean she's very good in the film. They shouldn't have had her do it. Just do your own accents. Yeah. I, I if you're not going to do a French accent, why are you? It's the Jean Luc Picard thing. Jean Luc Picard, uh, captain of the Enterprise, the most French man in the world, uh, talking about ah, oh, France is so good, you know, and he speaks like. That. Yeah. Make it so. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. I don't know why they do that shit. Yeah, I don't know. I guess a French accent must be harder than an English accent. I can't do any accents. So. That was that reminds me of one of the greatest comedy stories of all time. Uh-oh. When they do interviews for Saturday Night Live or the auditions for Saturday Night Live, uh, they have to audition in front of a bunch of the cast members and everything. And when Phil Hartman, the great Phil Hartman, did his his audition they said why should we why should we bring you on the show and he goes i can do any accent any accent in the world any accent at all i can do it flawlessly and so dennis miller goes um french and he goes oh i don't do french <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> it's so funny though. Yeah. Sucker blue. <laughs> um but anyway, so that was one of my complaints. And then another minor one of my complaints is uh I forgot. So you go ahead and start <laughs> talking about the movie. So I got lost. It's kind of like I don't know, it's like a live action Cinderella, but it's more than it that. Is. But yeah, you're right. It's it's much more than that. Because like Mark was saying, they they like give it more depth and everything. So we start out with like when her dad brings home the stepmother and the stepsisters and he immediately dies. He's married a baroness. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are common folk in mm-hmm. France and she has some nobility to her blood. She has two little girls and yeah, like like Carol said, he has a heart attack essentially. I was I was worried that it was poison at first or something like that. But he he kind of flexes his hand before his he, left arm too. Yeah, before he gets on the horse, he's like, "Oh, you know that doesn't feel good." And then he has like, "Oh," and like you know, falls over and dies. And Angelica Houston, who plays the this wicked stepmother, who is fantastic, she is. I love Angelica Houston. Uh she she's. I mean, she's devastated. Yeah, and she's like, "No, don't leave me here alone." You know, like she is freaking out um so i I think it's clear that she had nothing to do with it i think it's just a heart attack so imagine how much different their lives would have been if he hadn't died because but he touches young drew barrymore's face it's a it's a little girl so it's a different actress but young cinderella's face and he's like and like that's the last thing he says yeah and like the night before this happened he was putting her to bed and talking about how it's been just the two of us for so long and Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've been a your dad, you know, first and, you know, forever or whatever. And it's clear that he is prioritizing her over his new wife, which isn't a great thing to do. No, I mean, not really. But, I mean, you need to balance it a little bit more. Sure. I mean, it's nice that he's reassuring his daughter and stuff. But at the same time, I just I feel like that might be why she hates her so much. Well, I think that's part of it. I think him his dying words saying how much he loves her mm-hmm. and ignoring his wife. Yeah. Like, he looks at her. He looks at Angelica Houston and then he turns his head to, to his daughter. If it wasn't such a dramatic moment, it would be like comedy timing almost. Cause he looks at her and he's like, you, <laughs> you know, um, and, and as she says later in the film, you remind me so much of him as when she's older, like you mm-hmm. look like sometimes I, I look in your face and I can, all I can see is him. And like you said later, I think that's maybe part of the reason why she hates her so much too. I like that even though they're still evil, they give them a, a like I said, a depth. Yeah. I mean, we can see and they don't they don't hit you over the head with it. They're not like this is why she hates her. You know, it's yeah. all of it's very subtle, but you can see through her these little things, you can see through Angelica Houston's point of view a little bit too. Even if you don't agree with her. And it's obvious that Cinderella and her dad had money right. when he passed away mm-hmm. because they had servants. Yep, they had servants and they had nice things in their mm-hmm. castle and everything. They had a library. They were mm-hmm. building a library. And, oh, sorry, what? I was just going to say, I do also like that when everyone gets older, uh, Angelica Houston's obviously mean and bad to to Cinderella. 
and so's the blonde daughter. Mm-hmm. But the dark haired daughter, who's everyone everyone's calling fat for some reason, because she weighs uh, uh, two ounces more than ninety nine pounds. Right. Um, she doesn't look fat in any way. No. But everyone's calling her fat. Um, I hate it when they do that. She's super nice. I well, I hate it when women are shamed for being overweight in media anyway, no matter what. But I do especially hate it when they take a beautiful woman, because she was good looking too, when they take a beautiful woman uh, who might be a little curvier, but not overweight in any way, and be like, fat. Right. You're not a stick. Yeah, God forbid. You look like two Callista Flockarts. <laughs> but yeah, I think she was pretty and not overweight at all anyway but um, ridiculous ridiculous uh but so they're poor now it's been 10 years with no money coming in so they've just been burning through everything they have yeah because it's the 16th century and they're women so they're not working so it seems crazy to me that they've kept servants all this time anyway well i mean they had they they have a farm Uh so presumably they're working the farm so that provides food and everything it's not like they need gas money it's the 1600s. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, they don't have to pay utilities. Right. So, you know, they just need firewood, they need food, and then clothing and stuff like that. So it probably was a lot cheaper to live back then, if you think about it. Yeah, I guess so. But um, they had sold one of the servants to pay their taxes. Yeah, Martin. He's, like, married to the one of the other servants. Correct. Like, and he's so old, and that's probably why they chose him, because he's probably not as useful or whatever, mm. but... Like, just let him retire. Like, what the fuck? You're going to sell him and take him away from his wife? What a bitch. Right. No, she's clearly not cool. No. So Cinderella uh, runs into the prince out in the field, and he's taking their horse because he has run away from home. He's run away from home because he's betrothed to the princess of Spain, and he doesn't want to get married. He wants to marry for love, which I think in that time would be a very antiquated, or not antiquated, no. but a modern idea. Yeah. Well, like he said, his parents didn't marry for love. No. But anyways, he's run away from home, and he's stealing her horse to get away, and he gives her a whole bunch of money. He just empties his, his purse on the ground. He's like, here's some horse money. Right. That I just carry around with me. <laughs> so she's, like, all excited because they're going to use that money to get the servant back. Yeah. But... She has to dress like a courtesan. She has to dress like a fancy lad. Right. Because <laughs> they wouldn't take her money, I guess, if she was a servant. I like, too, that they didn't have a love triangle here. She has, like, a best friend or whatever that's a boy. Mm-hmm. That they, and they grew up together. And I don't know if he's gay or what, but I don't think so. They don't, they don't really make a big deal out of it. But he's not, like, pining after her. Mm-hmm. It's not a love triangle thing. It's, they're, just, they're allowed to just be friends. Yeah. Which is nice. That's, yeah, you're right. That doesn't happen often in Hollywood. Um, but yeah, so she he helps her get all dressed up and sneak out and go get this guy back. But they won't listen to her. They won't take the money. Yeah, the slave guy's like, nah, fuck him. Yeah, which is weird. She says, I can give you two gold coins or something. Or 20, 18, eight, I think it was 20. 18, yeah. And he's like, you can have me for that much. But then he keeps going. Like, if you say that, then give her the, the servant. Yeah, what like, the fuck are you talking about, dude? <sighs> I thought that was weird. Yeah. 
But then the, the prince comes up and he's like, hey, she's hot. Why are you harassing her? And, <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and he's, she's like, I want to buy this slave and they won't let me. And don't you think it's fucked up that uh, you guys take everything from everybody else, you royalty people, and, and then you turn them into thieves and, and almost people and all that stuff? And he's like, oh, that is kind of fucked up. Release that one guy. Mm-hmm. And I thought that they were, I'd like, I thought to myself, you know, they're not, they're not, they're going to do the Hollywood thing where they don't pay attention to all the other slaves. Mm-hmm. But she points it out. She's like, yeah, you let, you gave one man his freedom. But did you even care about any of the other fuckers? Yeah. And so then he gives them all their freedom. Yeah. So, I mean, she makes him a better person. That's, and that I think makes the most realistic and kind of believable love story where she changed, he changes her a little bit too, mm-hmm. but she, he starts out very arrogant, um, obviously nice. Like he, he seems nice, but just, just ignorant yeah. of the plight of anyone around him because he has been, he's lived this insular rich life and she opens his eyes to the fact that not everybody lives like him mm-hmm. and she does begin to change his mind. The problem is though that she's changing his mind with words right. and not showing him, hey, I am one of these people. Mm-hmm. She's still pretending to be a courtesan the whole time. Yeah, which is not good. No. Although, I mean, it's like, when would have been the perfect time? I mean, we saw his reaction when he finally finds out. It is not good. Oh, no. He's like, what (laughs) the fuck? Because the stepsister is like, she's, you know, whatever. He's like, you're a servant? Bow before me. My name's your highness, not Henry. You know, like, he's like, he's like, he turned into a fucking monster. Yeah. It's like, I thought you experienced a personal growth, but I guess no. But I mean, he did. He just needed to calm down. Yeah, he needed he needed some time to process. He needed Leonardo da Vinci, who's <laughs> in this movie for some reason. To just, he's just he's the wise old man. That's just that's his role. In yeah, this movie. and he's like, hey, uh, she's still hot, you know, even though she's a servant. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'll tell you what, she doesn't fucking deserve to walk on the ground I walk on or whatever. And Leonardo da Vinci's like. Yeah, if that's the way you think, then you don't fucking deserve her, asshole. But the problem is that during this time period, okay, she has risked everything to go to the ball. Mm-hmm. She wanted to tell him the truth. Yes. He wouldn't listen to her. And she keeps trying to tell him, and he's like, ah, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. So she gets exposed, and he turns on her, and then she gets sold. Yeah. So, like... To gypsies. Not, not a, that guy wasn't a gypsy. Oh, I thought he was a gypsy. No, no, the gypsies in the movie were separate. Oh, the, okay. This guy was their landlord. He's like... Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. I don't, I mean, like, what would they call him a... I don't know, a duke, a baronet, a baron. I don't, I don't know. know. A land baron. <clears throat> but he, uh, yeah, he, he, he is telling her earlier in the movie, like, that he wants her and stuff. And so we find out she's been sold to him now. And it's like, immediately I'm thinking he's going to fucking rape her. Yeah, and I guess this is sort of a kiddish friendly movie, not a hundred percent, but more kid friendly than yeah than some other movies. I mean, I think uh, some kids would be bored, maybe. Yeah, but they don't actually show it, and it's implied that 
he has tried to get her to, and maybe, maybe that's what, maybe like, I guess we can just believe it. We'll, we'll go with what yeah. the movie tells us because the movie is telling us that he has been trying to woo her essentially, but she keeps rejecting his advances. And I think this is the point where he gets to like, he's so fed up. He's like, I'm just going to fuck you at this point. Mm-hmm. And he kind of tries to in a very PG way. Um, but she stops him. She grabs his sword and, in a, in yeah. like in a, not that way. She doesn't grab that. No. Sword. Um, in, uh, in a rated R movie, this would have gone farther. Even yeah. if he hadn't actually raped her, this would have like, he'd be ripping clothes and, and stuff like that. But he doesn't quite do that. But he's like essentially going to try to rape her, and she fights back and gets his weapons and cuts his face. And he gives her her freedom. That's the least believable part. That his response to this is your freedom, madam. Well, because she's going to kill him. Yeah. Okay. But like, I think she it, put the sword down at some point. So I think his plan was to chase after her. Honestly. If the prince hadn't shown up, I think that was... He was like, yeah, okay, you got your freedom. And then he was going to send his guys to grab her. Yeah, maybe. But instead, the prince shows up, and she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, uh, rescuing him. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, like, it's unfortunate that he had to freak the fuck out and turn on her, and she had to go through all that Yeah, before they got together. The person that wrote this script did a very good job, but I think maybe they fell a little too hard into the cliche of... Hey, it's the second act. We have to have the hero at their lowest point. We have to have the conflict and everything. And then we have to resolve it in act three. I feel like there was enough conflict. I do too. I think like, I think she could have just told him and he could have been at first kind of repulsed and like, not even like not react as big as he did. Just be like, I, but I can't marry you that like, I don't know what to do with this information. Like, Oh, you're a comedy. Like, you know, some of his old prejudice could come back, but not so harsh. And then she could get mad and be like, you haven't changed at all. Mm-hmm. I thought you did. You know, like, and that could have been more of a conflict. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's, you know, like I said, there, there are some things I guess you could point about this movie. The one thing I didn't like is so the, at the end of the movie, obviously they get married. She becomes the princess and everything. And. They bring the stepmother and the stepsister, the one stepsister, and they're like, hey, you fucking lied to the queen. That's, you know, they could kill you for that. Mm -hmm. We're going to strip you of your nobility and all this shit. And they're like, unless somebody wants to speak up for you. And so Cinderella is like, yeah, I'll speak up for him. Don't kill him. Just show him the kindness they showed me. Right. So then they get put into like washerwoman's work yes they're servants like they made her a servant so here's what i don't like okay about this this movie has been so depthful and so just nuanced right and their end is a cartoon yeah i mean their end is very silly like they're bickering each other i'm nobody you know like i'm in management never like all this other stuff like it, it's, it sounds like the Words they're saying sound way too modern, mm-hmm. and the whole thing just reeks of like slapsticky comedy. And then they end up in the water, 
and everything, and they're all like uh, the dirty water, so they're all dirty and shit. Oh, is that what that was? Because I thought they were like it looked purple, like they were in dye. I thought that at first too, but then I realized that was where the soiled stuff was. So that was all dirt. Oh, so that's so what gross. that's why they looked like that. But it's like that seemed too silly, too yeah. much of a comedy moment. I think. Like, yeah. treat it a little more seriously. It didn't make me laugh anyway, so it failed at what it was trying to do. Yeah. But, so I, that would be another one of my uh, criticisms of it. But overall, I mean, I thought it was a fantastic movie. I really, really enjoyed it. I would like to watch it again. And and it has that song, um, I know y'all have seen the trailers, the Mummer's Dance that we talked about before. Yeah, the terrible song. I like it. <laughs> one thing I was wondering if you noticed, so... Uh, at one point, Blondie is trying to woo the prince, mm-hmm. and she gets this brooch, you know, uh, like, sitting right there. like, we want people to pay attention to her tits. Right. And uh, and she's wearing this low-cut dress. I was wondering if you were going to say to me, hey, do you think that, does, doesn't it seem unrealistic that the, the low-cut bodice for the time period? Uh, I wasn't going to say that, no. No? Why? Because I don't think it is. Ah, damn it. You're right. <laughs> Sorry. I think some people might think that, though. Because some people are going to think that um, any time in the past is like more conservative than we are now. But that's not always the case. Actually, uh, if you go back to like the 11th century and stuff mm-hmm. like that, uh, there were some cultures where women would wear could wear a bodice where they could completely uncover their breasts hmm. or they could have them completely covered. They were like, they were um, adjustable for, for easy access for breastfeeding. Uh, probably. But I mean, it was used fa- as fashion too. I mean, so there were certain occasions where they just want to have their breasts. Up. Interesting. Yep. And well, then there were certain, like a little bit after this, it gets way more conservative and mm-hmm. then it starts loosening it up again. And it's all, it's all in the pendulum. Yeah, I mean, like, it's not like the uh, 18th century or, you know, like, Mm -hmm. yeah. But especially in France, too. Especially in France, they were doing those low-cut bodices. So it all is accurate. Good job, movie costume people. Good job, movie. I hope that they were wearing period underwear, too. (laughs) Well, I mean, that would definitely account for the frowns. Well, they were, I mean, like, the, the... quote-unquote fat stepsister uh, had to wear a corset that was yeah. cinched way too tight or whatever. Yep. She could barely breathe, she said. <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much all I have to say. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. All right, well, uh, Carol? Uh, you can write us at latefee1994 at awol.com. You can do that. Check out our website at www.retrolatefee.com. Yep. Share the tapes with your friends. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.